Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a heck of a weekend of sports right there, including the NBA. What a weird weekend. The Utah Jazz, uh, really, I think it was best case possible for the Jazz. You never thought they were going to win in Phoenix, and they didn't. It wasn't even close. Uh, but they did come back and grind out the win over Toronto. It wasn't always pretty. They got down by 10. They really didn't defend well for a while there, late first quarter, early second. And they had 20 turnovers and just kept giving Toronto easy buckets. But I thought from late second quarter on, they started defending better. And I thought really they only gave up 40 points in the second half. And when you consider that probably 10 of those um, – can be blamed to fast break, turnover kind of stuff. Like Toronto just wasn't getting anything in the half court. So the Jazz don't have a lot of offensive firepower, certainly not what they're used to with Mitchell out and with Conley out, and they're both going to be out again tonight against San Antonio. <clears throat> so without that firepower, they had to defend. They did it well enough to win, 106-102, and they got the W. So they are still tied with Phoenix for the best record in the West. The Nuggets are coming. They won, so they're uh, what? That's nine out of ten for them now. They're nine and one since Jamal Murray went down, and they look good. But everybody else has real problems. What is going on? The Clippers lost to the Nuggets. They have dropped to fourth. The Lakers are essentially it's a three-way battle royale here for the fifth, sixth, and seventh spots with the Blazers and the Mavericks. And the Mavericks lost to the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers fell to the Raptors. Now. Think about this. You're, you're a Jazz fan. You're not happy with the way the team is playing. You're not liking how things are going. But think about it. They did beat Toronto, and they did beat Sacramento. And I know you're saying, well, DJ, man, those teams are terrible. And we're trying to gear up for the playoffs. Don't, don't tell me about wins. That's Beating those teams, that, that, that doesn't even remotely compare to what you're going to have to do in the playoffs. You're right. I agree. I'm not arguing that at all. But the night after the Jazz beat the Raptors... The Lakers lost to the Raptors at home. Toronto was going back-to-back. Now, I realize not everybody was. They sat five guys uh, against the Lakers on Sunday, and it was kind of a mix-and-match. I can't even say the word. It was like a mashup of the lineups. Let's go with that. They mixed and matched there. That was too hard. It's early on a Monday. Uh, Kyle Lowry didn't play Saturday against the Jazz, and he did play Sunday. But Fred Van Vliet did play Saturday, and he did not play Sunday. So there's that kind of thing going on. But the Lakers lost. They got they were up by eight, and all of a sudden they were down by 20. <laughs> wow. So whatever angst the Jazz have, the Lakers have it, because they also lost to Sacramento. And Sacramento not only beat the Lakers, they turned around and beat the Mavericks. So you got to give it to Sacramento. They rolled over against the Jazz. They got down. And they didn't get back up, and they rolled over, and they got annihilated by the Jazz. But rather than fold their tents, they did fight back and beat the Lakers and beat the Mavericks. So it really leaves the West in a mess. You're trying to figure out if you're, you know, one, two, three, four, who are you going to play in the playoffs? No idea. No idea. You got three teams, 10 games back of the Jazz and the Suns. And so who knows how that's going to sort it out. And whoever is seven, whether it's the Blazers or the Mavericks or the Lakers, they're going to have to go into that play-in tournament. So good luck figuring all of that out. It's chaos. But the Lakers have not looked good since LeBron came back. Now they've still got time. Everybody's got about eight games to, to figure it out here down the stretch. And for the Jazz, this question, when do they get their guys back? But nobody wants to hear about the Jazz injuries. You know, Kyle Winningham says, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear about your problems, right? Uh, 
90% of the people uh, don't care and the, and the rest are glad you have them. I think the third thing you can add to that, which is a nice line, he's repeated a bunch of times, is that everybody's got the same problems. I mean, the Lakers are trying to get Kawhi healthy, get him back. He's back now, you know, and get him into some kind of um, rhythm for the playoffs. Uh, LeBron and AD are back. They've been out injured. They're trying to get into some kind of rhythm for the playoffs. The Mavericks have had Porzingis in and out of the lineup all year long. Every bit as much as Conley, probably more. Um, because, you know, Porzingis is clearly supposed to be their second best player. You know, Conley on any given night with the Jazz, you don't know who that second big offensive star is going to be. How about Bogey coming up with 34 points against the Raptors, right? And some nights it's Ingles and some nights it's Conley. Whereas in Dallas, they're really counting. They're really counting on Porzingis to, to bring it all the time. And they, and they just don't have him. So everybody's got issues. Certainly uh, Portland, you know, McCollum was out, Nurkic was out. Everybody in the West has issues except the Phoenix Suns. And really, except the Jazz and the Suns until recently with Donovan Mitchell going down. Uh, and, and they were 1-2, and it's not an accident. They were the healthiest teams, so they were running 1-2. Now the Jazz have injury issues, so Phoenix has the top spot. Sitting on a tiebreaker right now, but the top spot nonetheless. So, all right. Well, there's a little, uh, a little NBA for you. we got the best of the Jazz postgame coming up. But next, a little college football. We'll talk with Kyle Whittingham and uh, put a wrap on spring football for the Utes, kind of look ahead to the, uh, the NFL draft a year from now, as well as some of the key questions heading into the fall and an update on the transfer portal. That's all with Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk college football with Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of the Utes. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious, since I don't want to look back at the NFL draft, I want to look ahead to next year's draft. And people are already putting out stuff saying there are going to be at least 10, maybe a dozen Utes drafted. Do you have that many NFL guys? I mean, obviously, a lot of guys came back for one more year. Do you have that many NFL guys on your roster? Uh, you know, I haven't sat down and done a count, a head count of that, but I would say that uh, we're going to have a, a solid draft, whether it gets that high. Uh, I'd have to look through all the names, but uh, we've got some good players coming back, and we certainly had uh, a bunch of guys come back this year that would have been drafted in this draft had they opted not to, you know, come back and and uh, come out uh, this year. But but uh, I got a roster right here in front of me. Let me tell you right now: one, two, three, four, uh, you know, seven, eight at least. I would think that'd be probably just an early in the, uh, early guess somewhere in that main range. So it's obvious you know, your program has had no shortage of NFL talent. You've been open and speaking about that since you've gone in the Pac-12. It's got you into doors that you hadn't been in, and that has led to a number of NFL talent. My question for you is in this draft that's going on right now, we've seen a number of Utah kids 
that are obviously from the state, played high school ball here, but did not stay local and are going into the NFL. So it's become easier to get into doors. But how much harder has it been to maintain this high-level talent since the word is out, hey, let's go to Utah and recruit because they got pretty good high school football there? Yeah, we've got very good high school football here, and, and that's uh, been evident for, for a lot of years now, and it's it's doing nothing but getting better every single year. Um, when I first got to Utah forever ago, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there may be four or five uh, collegiate caliber players in the state of Utah. Now that, you know, some years we're upwards of 30-plus guys, and so, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of talent in this state. The high school coaches in the state are, are doing a great job developing that talent, and uh, it's it's you know the, the word is out as you said. I mean, there's there's uh, certainly the Pac-12 comes in here and and uh, you know tries to take people out, and then uh, you know we've got even you know the SEC coming in here, and so it's it's no secret anymore, and uh, it's a you know a highly recruited area for uh, for a lot of the Power Five conferences. I am sure you've had to deal with some negative recruiting when it's time to get quarterbacks or receivers. And, you know, their narrative has been thrown out by opposing assistant coaches or head coaches. Hey, they don't, why would you go there? They don't throw the ball. Kyle loves the ground and pound, run the ball to win and all that. Why would you go there? Do you think the passing game this year has the chance, especially with, you know, Brewer, has the chance to change that narrative and, and make those words really ring hollow, even if people want to repeat them? Well, you know, first of all, uh, you know, when you go back to the last two full seasons, 18 and 19, we threw for over 3,000 yards in both those seasons. And, uh, in fact, in 19, had the highest completion percentage in yards per attempt uh, of anyone in the Pac-12. And so I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, we have had some terrific running backs come through here. And I think the bottom line for us is you play to your strengths and whatever, you know, you, you tailor things to, to your personnel. And, and we've had a good run of a really good run of running backs. And, and uh, so we've, you know, we've tried to feature those guys. But, but uh, going into this year, to answer your question, as far as uh, our ability to throw the football, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a, a year where uh, that may be one of our strengths. And so we'll have to see what happens. But, but uh, you know, Charlie looked really good in spring, and we got Cam rising that'll be uh, thrown into the mix this fall. And so we really don't pay attention. I guess the, the short version is, or the short answer, we don't pay attention much to what other people are saying. We just try to get the best players in here that we possibly can, and then, uh, like I said, uh, tailor things to, to what they do best and, and go from there. So you've been open about getting a receiver, possibly even more than one, through the transfer portal. How is that going? Going good, going good, and the portal is is saturated right now with players. There's 4,500 plus uh, football players in the portal now for Power Five or, or uh, Division One FBS. I think that number goes down to to uh, you know 2,000 or something like that. So it's it's uh, not you know as big a pool as as, as uh, it might sound like it uh, at first blush, but. But uh, we're searching the portal every day and evaluating, and as is everyone in the country. I mean, it's no, uh, you know, it's nothing that we're uh, doing and that everyone else isn't doing. I mean, it's something that is here to stay. It's free agency in college football is what it is, and that's that's exactly what it uh, has evolved to. And so, 
we've got our eye to the portal every day, and and uh, we're uh, you know evaluating everybody that comes into the portal every day that is of a, of a position that that uh, is of interest to us, and and uh, we feel like right now we're uh, going to stick with that plan. You know, one or two receivers that will add to the program, and and uh, we still got uh, time on our hands. You know, it's only or time on our side, I should say. It's uh, you know not even May yet, so we have two or three months to to continue to search and and it, it becomes kind of a, a strategic thing you know you got a guy you may like but you know do you you know if you wait and be patient you're going to find a guy you like better and so it's it's there's a strategy to it and you got to you know hope for the hope you make the right decisions but uh right now we think we're in, in a good place even though we uh <clears throat> haven't officially announced anybody yet we think that uh you know in the next uh 30 to 60 days we'll, we'll come away with a receiver or two that we really like the portal is relatively new, and it really seems to be picking up speed. So do you ever see a name in the portal and think, man, I wasn't planning on using a scholarship on a guy at that position, but we got to go get that guy, or are people of that caliber not going into the portal? I think the latter, more so the latter. I think that, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, portal is mainly, you know, a lot of the guys in the portal are, are guys that uh, – are not the number one guy at their position in the, for example, wide receiver. You know, if you're not the number one guy in your in your program and you think you should be, and someone else is getting the majority of the touches, well, then you you know you think you may move on. But but typically the you know the top tier caliber guys uh, stay situated and stay put for the most part. Now there's exceptions to that, obviously, but as a general rule, I think that uh, most of them stay put. Anybody after spring ball from your program go into the portal? Not yet, you know, but uh, you never know. We had our exit interviews last week, and I met with all 130 guys, and that was a, a uh, daunting task. It took it took a lot of hours, but but uh, right now everybody is uh, in a good mindset, and and uh, you know, and indicated that they don't have any plans to to uh, move on at least at this point in time. But but that could change, and I would guess that by uh, you know by the time fall camp rolls around, we'll have had somebody leave, but we'll see what happens. You've built a solid program, obviously, over the years, but what about the sizzle, Kyle? Are you bringing Steve Smith back next year to catch a ball out of a helicopter to end spring practice? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good uh, ploy that uh, Arizona had going there. But uh, Losers. You know, we don't... <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true Sun Devil, yes, sir. Um, you know, I don't know. We're not. We're typically not a, a, a gimmick outfit and, and that type of thing. But but that was that was pretty uh, pretty in, uh, creative. And so uh, props to those guys. Even though PK, you know, is going to have a bad attitude about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve would do it. Anything for fun. You know, it's such a business. It's such a grind. If you can figure out something to throw a little fun in there, we will forgive you the occasional gimmick. Absolutely. A little levity never hurts. Exactly. All right. Well, we'd love to keep you on the line and talk to you longer, but you literally have a bigger name on another line. Phil Steele coming up. We don't want to keep you from that. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I know he will, too. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate a few minutes. Okay, guys. Take care. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham, who literally, as I look at the clock, has like 11 seconds to get on the phone with Phil Steele because Phil wants every second he can get too. Isn't it crazy in the offseason how popular guys are, PK? (laughs) It's the offseason.
Uh, yeah, but if you get an opportunity to get uh, some information, you're going to take advantage of it because guys have more time for interviews. Yeah. I mean, I used to get Majerus in the offseason. We would talk for an hour. Yep. Well, and uh, Phil will. I mean, he routinely yeah. tweets about that kind of stuff. Thanks to Coach for an hour and 15 minutes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I do think that uh, football, college football, is so huge that there is an offseason, we understand it, but you look at networks are televising spring games. Um, for some dumb reason, I watched the Alabama spring game the other day flicking around uh, just because it was on and there was nothing else. Obviously, it was a taped uh, version of it. It wasn't the live version. So college football is so, so gigantic in this country that it never lacks for interest. And as Yogi Roth has said, my wife was listening to him call a game once i think it was the first game of the season and i'm at the stadium he's in the booth right next to me but i can't hear him she's texting me this guy this analyst man he's talking about how he loves salt lake because it's football crazy and i've told you that pac 12 people have told me that when i've been out on the road that they said we absolutely love utah because they're obviously a good program but the attention and the interest that is there is something that of course everybody wants and they have it here which i think is a massive, massive benefit to Utah in its recruiting because kids want to go where it matters. You come here, it matters. There's no question it matters. And they've been able to get a number of guys in the NFL that way that they wouldn't have gotten before. In Pac-12, they care. The program's in a good spot. I do think they need to do better as far as keeping top-end talent in the state. Now, it's not unique to Utah. It's around the conference, really. I mean, you look at it, it doesn't matter where you are. It's around the conference. And it just, for some reason, it stings a little bit more here in Utah because we're a smaller state, at least smaller population-wise. And so we can count the kids, the Sewells and Wilson, uh, Fajoko and... And the list goes on. I would need a list to name all the kids. And I think it's an issue. It's not particular to Utah, but it's an issue for all these programs that are pretty good programs but want to take the next step. Yeah, when you see guys going top 10 and they weren't at your school, how can that not sting? You know, some of it you can rationalize away. Hey, we can only take so many guys at that position. I think if Utah loses a defensive lineman out of state, it doesn't sting that bad because, honestly, they look like they're always too deep and sometimes three deep. And so if you're going to have another guy to plug in, well, okay. But if it's a kind of talent that is first-round NFL draft talent, that that leaves uh, a mark. I don't think it has to be just first round. Uh, I mean, NFL guys that are in state, you're expected to get them. You've got everything that you need and that they need, and I believe you're expected to get them. And it's a blow. It becomes that uh, because not only that, then is that if he's an NFL guy and he goes to Oregon, and it becomes he comes back to the community because a lot of the people come Haloti Nada lives in our community yep. comes back and they talk hey a Utah kid eh, go call this guy he lives in your state he can tell you all about it and so it's it steamrolls it clearly does because Stanford is make a living off of recruiting return missionaries and yeah, you you want to know how we handle missionaries talk to this guy Talk to these guys. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And, and, uh, and they'll tell you, man, I just loved it over there. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, they don't have the passion of Stanford football, but uh, everything else, education, blah, 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 the place where you live because you're not 
you don't have to pay to live there and buy a house. You're on campus or renting or what have you, and it's a dynamic place to live, and it's and it feeds off of itself. And you want to cut that off as much as you can. That's why they put that stuff, the hometown heroes, and the billboards and all. They're trying to sell it to those guys. So I, I disagree. I think it's a blow to your program, and it's something you have to be aware of. Now, Utah has been able to overcome it, but the Sun Devils haven't. They have not been able to overcome it. And we'll see down the line uh, partic- in Southern California how it works. Uh, you know, you're going to have starting quarterbacks at Clemson and Alabama most likely uh, from being from Southern California. Well, that. I, I just think I just think it hurts, man, and it, it's unfortunate. But I mean, I don't knock the kid. It's unfortunate from the school perspective, uh, and I and I believe that you know Trevor Riley. I've talked to him about it, and he's of the who's the Ben Cahoon gotten some controversy a few years back when he was recruiting for BYU. Don't go to Stanford. Uh, then you come back here, and nobody really knows you as much. Whereas if you come back, if you stay here and go here and come back here, then you're a big celebrity. So, And you can feed not just a celebrity, but you can actually benefit financially from that. So they got to get on it, but they've got a really good program, and that's all that matters, and they're going to be in contention for the South. I really believe that. I don't know who's going to win, but I believe they're going to be in contention, and that's what matters the most. Do you think Brewer throws the ball well enough and they win enough and pile up enough yards and all that to knock down the, hey, don't go to Utah, they don't throw the ball storyline. I mean, Kyle clearly is already combating that. He had an answer ready, and it's because he's given it before. He's heard that. I know he has. And and he had the answer ready so quickly. He had those stats available immediately. Yeah, I think they can combat it, but it's up to the individual. You know, what what is the individual thinking? Because they've got this freshman in there from Southern California now. The Tuttle wasn't a... It didn't work, obviously, but they got this kid here. And Troy Williams was an unusual situation with the transfers. Travis Wilson they got. Uh, so what they need, what they're looking for, is a big-time stud. But even if you get a big-time stud who goes riding into the NFL, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to get the next one or the next one. Because they had Alex Smith was the number one pick. You couldn't go higher than that. Right. And it's not like they rolled out a ton of guys after that. So it's up to the individual and, and Costelli, what is he going to show? You know, I can say, well, sure, he came here because maybe he didn't think he could beat out the competition there, wherever there might have been. So I don't know. You know, they missed out on Jaden Daniels because they had Tyler Huntley and the kid knew I could play as a freshman. And what's the difference? Uh, well, really, if I'm going to go out of state, what's the difference if I go to Utah or ASU? Not really a whole lot of difference. In fact, the issue is closer to his uh, family in the Inland Empire area. But I think it was about playing time and opportunity. So certainly Brewer, if he does what he does, helps. But I don't think it's going to open the floodgates. I think it's an individual decision that these guys make. And you just have to stay after it every day. I think it helps for running backs, for sure. Absolutely it helps for running backs. And it helps for the positions that they recruit pro professional guys to and that's interior line and defense and running backs which man you're you're covering just about all your football team at that point if they, the if the passing game gets on track look out yeah but at what expense you know the passing game there for SC is all that now but the running game isn't 
Well, you're gonna have, you're gonna have everything. Yeah, and I think their line. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that makes you Alabama. Who has everything? Alabama and Clemson. And you're never gonna be <laughs> Alabama and Clemson. That's exactly. I, I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, I think it. I think at SC, the problem everyone writes about is the line play. You know that they have great skill position guys, but they don't dominate the trenches the way they used to. So, and, and I think that's more normal. You know, and there are plenty of people who tell you, yeah, if you're gonna dominate at every position, you probably have to cheat. Everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Nobody really wants to come out and say it, but everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Uh, if you call breaking a rule cheating or bending a rule cheating, if you call you know academic fraud, so cheating has a wide spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> and a, a text outside the time period when you're supposed to be contacting, in my mind, that's one thing. You know, cash and cars, and did this player get 100 grand or whatever? I mean, some of the allegations are massive. Oh, they're getting cash. They're getting money one way or the other. And if you don't think so, you're naive. But and that's the way of the world, man. <laughs> so start start paying. Start figuring out ways to get them money. Make it is is it prostitution, and we need to make it legal? Is that what that's what it's boiled down to? Because it's going to happen either way. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness that will legalize the flow of money. It won't stop the illegal quote illegal flow of money but it'll legalize a lot i I hesitate i hesitate to use the word legal because legal legal right it's not a law thing but yes Uh, well i mean it doesn't sound like a law thing and then all of a sudden there's a wiretap on a basketball coach who never considered it illegal i mean he knew it was against the ncaa rules but he i mean i gotta i gotta think that those coaches you know i I can't even name all the schools that got hit but arizona and usc because i remember the pac-12 schools I bet those coaches didn't think, hey, I might get in trouble with the NCAA, but they never thought they were going to get in trouble with the FBI. <laughs> I just don't think they thought that. I don't think that was on their radar. Yeah, because who would do that? Right. And then all of a sudden, surprise. Yeah, right. And they paid a dear price for that. Yep. So uh, the bottom line is that Utah, is, it's probably going to continue to be who it is. And they're going to have to battle that. But I think they have more things that work in their favor as opposed to things that they have to overcome. Yeah, and I think the the passion of the fans is just uh, it's just a huge positive. And you can talk to the people who do the recruiting, and they'll tell you that Utah and Oregon have an advantage over the rest of the league for a kid who goes to one of those games for the first time. One of those out of state kids, right? And if, if any of the other ten schools are recruiting him, it feels different on the sidelines or in the stands at a Utah or Oregon game than it does anywhere else, unless you know USC's playing Notre Dame and the place is sold out. Well, unless you're winning, though. But I, I think you can get it. You can get it in Tucson and Tempe and the in the Rose Bowl if you're winning. I believe you can get it if you're winning. And All right, you got to D- find ways to win. DJ and PK, we will leave it right there for now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. After the Utah Jazz hold off the Toronto Raptors 106-102 Saturday night. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time now for the best of the postgame show. The Utah Jazz beat the Toronto Raptors Saturday night, and the Raptors are struggling in the East, laboring, hoping to make that play-in tournament. And, you know, it doesn't look like a great win. But when you consider what happened to the Lakers, they lost to the Raptors Sunday. Well, looks a little better, doesn't it? Let's get the best of the postgame show. Right now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a beautiful Monday morning. Utah Jazz get a big win against the Toronto Raptors. Quinn Snyder addressed the media following it. How important is it for you guys to, to establish a rhythm and, and play well down the stretch? Um, I, th- I think it's always important to, you know, to play well down the stretch. You know, that's something that hopefully you're, you're in close games because um, you know um, that you've at least done enough to be there. And, you know, when you can get stops, um, particularly late, but, but also, you know, defend late, uh, you know, through the whole fourth quarter, not just the last, you know, two minutes. And that's really what we did tonight. I thought collectively, um, you know, we really just focused on the defensive end and, you know, they're so quick and athletic and apply so much pressure that, you know, I thought really Joe and JC, you know, did about as good a job as you could handling that. And obviously Trent gave us, you know, a huge minute. So trying to take care of the ball and, and getting stops is a pretty good formula, you know, for, for being able to win a, you know, win a tough game. Eric Weldon, Salt Lake Tribune. When what was the key to kind of getting the defense turned around in the fourth quarter? Because it seemed like, you know, whether it was in transition after after turnovers or even in the half court over the first three quarters, you guys kind of struggled with that. But um, then they shoot six for twenty four in the fourth. What was the turnaround? Well, I, you know, I think we just got better as the game went on. Um, they made some, you know, they made some really tough shots early. I thought particularly Van Fleet. And, you know, as you said, you know, it's always hard to defend against turnovers. So to the extent we were, you know, sometimes it's just important to, to, to try to get a shot for, for us moving the ball quickly, I think was the key, you know, in that situation. Um, after we played pick and roll, we weren't getting anything in, in early possessions, but um, from the defensive end, my point is, you know, our offensive efficiency helps. And I thought we were determined, you know, and it started with really getting back. Um, they pushed the ball so quickly, you know, particularly after makes that, you know, probably the most, the best example of that was the possession where, you know, GAC had that, you know, that dunk, uh, which was a big time play. And then there's a moment there where you, you know, you can't celebrate. They come back the other way. So I thought our transition defense and, you know, our, our connectivity, you know, we were switching things when we needed to, we were helping each other. We were physical. Um, So a lot of things that kind of point to determination. David James, KUTV. They were breaking off turnovers, but they're also breaking off, um, opportunities when shooters were hitting the floor. Is that something you've addressed about staying on your feet after a shot attempt? It looked like some guys might've been trying to draw fouls. Well, sometimes when you shoot and you get knocked down, it is a foul. (laughs) So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about playing off two feet. Um, 
you know, sometimes when you attack the rim and you stretch out off one foot um, and you do get knocked down, you know, that, that's what happens. It, it almost is a turnover because you're, you know, your numbers in possession um, or in possessions like that, it's really hard to defend against. But I, I think it's the same thing, you know, however, it, even if you fall down, you know, it's, it's like how quickly can you get up and, you know, getting a mindset that you're just going to get to the next play, you know, We've talked about it as far as even when you, you know, you don't get knocked down or fall down, you know, sometimes it's even thinking you might've got a call and, and, you know, turning to a referee or whatever the case may be, just getting to the next play, you know, is, is the biggest thing. Ben Anderson, Castle Sports. Quinn, it seemed like Trent did a lot of the things he usually does, but there were more tangible results. Is that hard to kind of preach to guys to kind of keep doing what they do? And, you know, the points will come, the assists will come, the stops will come. Yeah, I don't think Trent's played that much to know what he normally does. You know, (laughs) what I see Trent doing, I'll, I'll tell you what I think he does, is I think he really works defensively. You know, he's long. He had that one big block on Van Fleet. Um you know, and, and he's unselfish. I think he's got a great pace and pick and roll. And when he, when he got in the lane and, you know, he, he's able to do that. That's, you know, because he hasn't played as much, that's something that, you know, people haven't seen. Um, but he, he, he really is, you know, for a young player that he's just got thrown into it. He's got a lot of poise and a great tempo to his game. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, the, the shot that he hit in the corner, um, you know, you guys know how I feel about that. You're out there and you're open, you got to shoot it. And um, sometimes it, you know, sometimes that's not easy, especially if you're a young guy and maybe you missed the first one. So um, I thought that was obviously a really big shot uh, for our team. You know, it was worth more than three points. There you go. Quinn Snyder, fantastic comments. Boyan Bogdanovich took to the podium following Quinn Snyder. Here's what he had to say about the big win. Hey, Boyan. Um, obviously, you miss Mike and Donovan, but has getting more touches allowed you to get find more of a rhythm? I mean, yeah, obviously, I have uh, I have way more, way more shots, way more touches offensively. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to pause more to get, a, to get a dose, easy, easy buckets or, or, or free throws, but... Uh, but I hope they're going to be so, as soon as possible back. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Boyan, you spent some time guarding Pascal Siakam and some bigger players tonight. What's the key to kind of defending those bigger guys, especially kind of with that, how athletic Pascal is, especially? I mean, great, great player. He's he's playing great last couple of years. I mean, it's it's kind of easier for me because I know that, that Rudy, Rudy is behind me. So even if he passed me or, or he won't have a, he won't have any easy, easy shots. So I'm just trying to, to contain those, those bigger guys and force them to have a, to have a tough shots or, or, or kind of, kind of force them into Rudy. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Going on, you guys got some huge minutes out of uh, Trent Forrest tonight especially with the defense he was playing on, Fred Manfleet in the fourth quarter. What did you see out of him, uh, especially late in the game? He was – he is big time for us. Whenever he stepped on the court, we got something from him. Like you mentioned, he had a – he was guarding uh, Van Leet in the last quarter. He had a great, great block on him. Really, really smart player on offensively. He know how to how to play pick and roll, how to read uh, the situation over there. And like I said, whenever he's on the court, we got, we got something from him. So great, great game once again. 
All right, last question will be Maxime from the Free Agent France. How do you, what makes the difference tonight compared with yesterday? I mean, we didn't have a we had, we didn't have a, those those turnovers that we had in a, in the first half when when we allowed 20 points of, of turnovers. So when we when we have a shot, it's it's easier for us to to get back and and, and set up our defense. So our defense was was great, especially especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. We allowed them just to score 13 points, and, and like I said once again, it's it's easier for us to be aggressive when you know you got Rudy behind your back if they pass by you. Good stuff from Boyan Bogdanovich. Obviously, a big night from Trent Forrest. Here's Trent Forrest talking about his big three that set up a big win. First off, what's it like kind of getting thrown into the mix, you know, with Don and Mike out, and then finding yourself guarding the likes of Fred Van Vliet, and not only that, but, you know, blocking a shot of his and, and hitting a huge corner three in a, in a crucial moment? Um, it was good. I feel like for me um, – I get to learn a lot from those guys, Mike and Don, and even Joe, in a sense, because they all kind of play my position. So I always kind of watch them and what they do. I just try to use the things that they teach me and that I pick up and try to just do that in the game. So I feel like just with that and the preparation with the coaches, I mean, it all just kind of worked for me. All right, next question, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Trent, what are some of those things? What, what, what have you learned the most that you didn't have at Florida State that you feel like you can do now? Um, I mean, a lot. Honestly, just the pace they play with, how they see the floor. Um, I feel like that's two of the biggest things with us because we are a ball screen dominant team. Just, I mean, the reads they make, the tempo at which they play, I mean, I feel like I, I probably watch more than I really should, but I mean, it's a lot. And even like guys like Royce, I, I watch Royce a lot too on defense because he guards the best player every night. Um, so I just pick up little things that he does as well. And I, I try to use them myself. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey Trent, Quinn said that it couldn't be hard for younger players to shoot when they're open. Did you have any of that fear in that fourth quarter three? Uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, every day in practice, I mean, we wrap it out. Um, any corner three, I mean, every shot, every three that we take, I mean, we wrap it out a lot. And the coach that I work with, he stays on top of on top of me about just even if you miss three in a row, however many you miss, the next one is always going in. So that was just my mindset going into that shot. So, I mean, for me, it was just another shot to take. Right. Uh, we have James Edwards, uh, Deseret News. Yeah, I'm curious, is it intimidating um, on a team with so many great three-point shooters, or do you use that as motivation, especially in practice, to see the work ethic that they use to try and improve that part of your game going forward? Yeah, no, it, it motivates me a lot. Well, coming here, um, like I really didn't know kind of how our team was. So my first week here, I was really amazed at how, how much time they put into shooting. And I knew for me that was going to be a big part of my game. Um and I mean, it's working, just continue to shoot in those shots. And I mean, we have some of the best three point shooters in the league, JC, Don, Mike, <laughs> you can just go down the list. So, I mean, I, I definitely get motivated a lot from how much they put into their shooting. Uh, Tony Jones, the athletic is next. Trent, when 
as 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 somebody who's a deaf piece uh, on the roster, how important is it for you, you know, to to be able to 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 provide good minutes in cases like this when Mike and Donovan are out, and in cases where like tonight it's your third night, third game in four nights, and and you know a lot of the roster uh, has heavy legs. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, just staying ready. I feel like that's the biggest thing, kind of like you said, watching film, um, knowing that your number is probably going to be called, so you have to be ready. And that's kind of going back to our, our vets on the team. I mean, just talking to them, asking them what they see on the court before I check in, just things like that. So then when I get in, I mean, I can kind of pick up where we need to be at. So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Trent, who's the assistant coach you work with most? Uh, I work with Lamar and Keon Doolin. So both of them probably about equally. How are those guys to work with? What are, you know, how are they good at their jobs, I guess? <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm sure they've been doing it for a while. Um, I can say on Keon's part, he he's played in the league. So I feel like that gives them a big help when he's working with players is that he's been there. So he knows what works and doesn't work. And with Lamar, I mean, he worked with Royce when he first got here. So he, he knows how to kind of help people become better shooters. And I mean, he's been with Royce. I mean, for what, a couple of years now. And Royce is a great shooter to me. I think he is. So, I mean, just trusting those guys. I know they know the answers. And I mean, I always ask them because I know they can help me in many ways. There you go, the youngster, Trent Forrest. Fantastic game from him. Rudy Gobert rounded off the night with some comments from the podium. Hey, Rudy. So you guys struggled defensively for a lot of the first three quarters, whether in transition off of turnovers or made baskets or even in half court. You know, Toronto was over 50% for most of the game. And then everything really seemed to kind of turn around in the fourth. So um, what were you guys struggling with in particular early on and then what changed as the game went along uh first of all i think they start they came out came out making shots um you know i think we did a great job for the most part of the game just uh protecting the paint and uh and also rebounding you know they didn't get much second chance points um they had a few transition points our turnovers in the first half and uh Second half, you know, I think we were a little sharper offensively. We were tougher. You know, we knew that uh, there wasn't going to be foul calls, so we just had we just played through it. And uh, you know, everyone was getting open uh, and you know, getting shots up at the rim. You know, whether we miss or make, uh, we were able to to get back and set up defense. And you know, uh, just making them try to hit tough shots, contested twos, and. Uh, you know, they made those early and uh, they just didn't make those in a, in the fourth quarter. Next up, David James, KUTV. Rudy, it took like it looked like that took a lot of effort in the uh, in the closing stages of that game. Three games in four days can be pretty difficult, both individually and as a group. How much do you have left in the tank for Monday with the Spurs? Uh, pretty empty. We gotta go to the gas station tomorrow. But uh, I mean, we knew it was gonna be a tough game for us coming off. Uh, we were on the road for a week. <laughs> I'm funny. Coming off a road trip for a week, uh, you know, and uh, back to back after a tough loss last night. 
uh, we knew that these guys, uh, you know, they play physical, they play hard every night, uh, and uh, you know, they they better than than their record shows. You know, they're, they're a team that plays really hard. They well coached. Uh, athletic team, long, so we knew it was going to be a fight, and uh, we knew that it was going to require some, uh, you know, some uh, some fight and some toughness, you know. And we we didn't give up. Uh, the bench did an amazing job, you know, uh, giving us a spark. Trent uh, was amazing, you know. He, I don't think we win this game without him, you know, with the minutes that he gave us in the third and the fourth. And uh, yeah, just uh, this one feels good, you know, because it was a it was a fight, and uh, nothing was given given to us. You know, we had to to go get it in uh, 48 minutes. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Rudy, last night you mentioned just kind of the effort and the focus coming out against Phoenix wasn't where you thought it could have been. What changed tonight? What, what do you think the switch was? I think, you know, uh, every night is different. And, uh, you know, in the season, you go through some ups and downs. But being able to uh, flush, you know, one game and get ready for the next one and, you know, and compete the way we competed tonight. And every single guy, you know, came out, even though we were tired, you know, we, we played through it. And like I said, you know, we... Uh, it was a physical game. Those guys were playing very physical on us. And uh, we, instead of, you know, breaking down and breaking apart, we, we came together. And, you know, we our physicality, our focus, our, connect, our connectiveness, you know, uh, just went up every single quarter. And, you know, I think they scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and you know, we kept sharing the ball. We kept moving the ball. And, you know, we were able to get some great shots. And, you know, and be in a position to win this game. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy, how have you seen Boyan's um, offensive game change when without Rudy or without Donovan and Mike? I mean, I think he's been really aggressive. And uh, for us, you know, it's been great uh, having a guy that can just uh, score in a variety of ways and, you know, and, and also create for his teammates. Uh, especially of the post, you know, when he's able to, I feel like he's really a really good post player and he's always making the, the right read, you know, when, when they help, uh, he's finding the open man and when they don't, he's giving, you know, he's most of the time he's getting us a bucket. So, uh, it's been huge for us and, uh, you know, and, uh, even when the, when Don and Mike are back, you know, having him being able to, uh, being aggressive, uh, like he's been, uh, it just make our team go from you know from here to to here. And last we have Maxime from the free agent out of France. Uh, hi, Rudy. Uh, do you feel unrespect as a team in this league, especially tonight? Feel what? Do you feel unrespect by the referee or by the other team? Or by the ref. <laughs> Gonna give me trouble. Oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, every night is different. You know, tonight obviously there was a lot of things that uh, we had to play through, uh, and I'm proud of the guys, and uh, you know, and just the way we we kept focus on you know on ourselves. Uh, we didn't get distracted by some of the stuff that was going on. You know, we kept fighting. We kept playing more physical. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I think instead of, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting frustrated and, 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 and losing our focus, he made us even more focused. You know, we, we used that as a, as a fuel to, uh, like I said, just be more physical, just be more connected and, uh, you know, and, and communicate even better, you know. So I think uh, every night is different and uh, it was definitely a tough one tonight, but we, we fought through it. There you go. Great comments from Rudy Gobert and a huge win by the Utah Jazz. Obviously taking on the San Antonio Spurs tonight at 8 o'clock. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.